In a world where God is dying, four heathens come to deliver the final nails in the coffin. From the depths of hell, Satan sends four puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists from the Middle East. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Secular Jihadist Podcast. Uh, I'm the host, Faisal Saeed Al-Baghdadi. Oh my God, you're such a cute face, Faisal. Uh, he looks cuter than usual today. Yeah. He's like, I'm telling you, it's like the baby in the crib just smiles, does nothing else. And you're like, aw. <laughs> and you want to pick him up. Okay, I'm not going to go into that. Anyway, um, go on. So we have the usual suspects in the podcast. Uh, Yasmin Muhammad, the author of Confessions of an Ex-Muslim and the Confession of an Ex-Muslim.com. Hello, Yasmin. Hello, Faisal. Hi. Uh, and we have Ali Rizvi, the author of The Atheist Muslim. Uh, he recently got a Vox interview that people can check out. And oh, uh, Vox, not Fox. It's Vox it's, with a V. Just hey, come on. the same. <laughs> the two yeah. very different. I said, Vox, come on, brother. Okay, okay. okay. Tandoori chicken. Tandoori. Um, Al-Islam, then... <laughs> um, And we have Armin Nababi, Hello. the Iranian Mossad agent who oh my also happened to found the Hezbollah and the Atheist Republic at the same time. So good Thank job. You. Good job, Armin. Um, Thank you. And our guest is ex-Muslim slash ex-Mormon slash member of ISIS. Jen Al-Pakistani. Pakistani, yeah. So Jen got married from with a guy from Pakistan, I think because... Is it true that you have uh, desert fever? Is that correct? Um, desert? Once you go, what, call it? what is it? What is yeah, it, Ali? Yeah. Once you go Pakistan, you never go back. Once you go Pakistan, you never go Pakistan. That's <laughs> I got. I got to credit Kumail Nanjiani with that. That was uh, <laughs> him do that. So uh, Jen happened to be in love with uh, tandoori and chicken tikka masala, and she happened to marry a guy, and she happens to have a desert fever. Is is actually does Pakistan have a desert or is it like an all green area? Nah, not really. India's got a desert, but okay. Pakistan. So so it's more like so you have mountain fever. Um, Where's the tar? I think the tar desert. Yeah, yeah. A, no, Pakistan doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you are attracted to guys from the Middle East, it's called desert fever. If you are from East the East Asia, it's yellow fever. And the other part is uh, brown whatever. fever. Tandoori it's fever. Actually, actually say, no, it does. The Tar Desert is part of it's. It's in the border region between India and Pakistan. So if we're on desert fever, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, she has desert-ish fever. So she has desert-ish fever. Uh, and uh, dessert, she... maybe. Yeah. Dessert, uh, yeah. Uh, baklava. She has a baklava fever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> There's no... Guys... There's no baklava in Pakistan. We haven't. You guys are just 
You have uh, gulab. It's just gulab you guys jamun. are being oh, India. Yeah. <laughs> we have, we have, you have rice, rice pudding fever. <laughs> we do. We have kheer. Jen, can we agree on gulab jamun? Can we agree on? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. That is. Is that the orange it. one? The orange swirly one? Yeah, yeah. It looks like it's. Yeah. It looks kind of like Donald Trump's skin in a way. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Oh. So, so yeah. Uh, hello, Jen. Welcome to our podcast. Um, so, yeah. uh, do you guys have any questions for the white women in the podcast? No, not at all. That's it. Okay. Thank you, Jen. Bye-bye. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> so, Jen, no, actually. Okay. So, Jen, um, so you have a... You have experience with the Muslim world up close. You have experience with Mormons, right? So you have, you're you're an ex-Mormon and an ex-Muslim. Is is the way that you described yourself? Is that accurate? So can you kind of just start and unpack that and and tell us how that happened? So I was born in a Mormon, and my family it was Mormon generations back, um, related to the second prophet of the Mormon Church. So it's a big deal. I was always very proud of that fact when I was young. Um, and I liked being Mormon until, um, I didn't, I was about, well, I, I had, um, gotten pregnant and lost a, a son when I was very young and it kind of had me questioning God at that point. So I, um, started looking into other religions and then at the same time I met my ex-husband online, we started talking, um, for about a year and then he came to visit and we got married. I took the Shahada for the first time in America. I took the Shahada the second time in Scotland. We got married in Scotland. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I just want to clear up uh, Shahada for people who don't know is uh, that it's basically the declaration of faith in Islam. So you say that there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger and then you become a Muslim by saying that. Yeah. It's magic. Yeah. I'm Muslim now, now you're a Muslim. Yeah. Okay, now I can't be here anymore. I know. <laughs> so, so you took, um, you, so you took the shahada, and you met, uh, you met your husband online. Where was he at the time? He was in Scotland. He was in Scotland. Okay, yeah, so you took the shahada studying. first here, and then in Scotland. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. I even got a certificate. certificate. I don't have it anymore, but I did. I was very proud of it. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I was. What was that? You're very proud of what? I didn't hear that. The, the certificate saying I was a Muslim. I was, oh, really? They gave you a certificate? Yeah. Uh, I was so excited to be a Muslim. Like, I jumped in. Why? What was it about being a Muslim that intrigued you? I think um, it was safe. I know that that sounds crazy now, but because of, of the, the Mormon church is very controlling. It, it's It's very much a cult. Um, okay. So I, I was used to being told what to do as a woman because the men are the head of household and, um, I'm still not hearing how this is different <laughs> from Islam. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but let's, yeah, uh, but go okay, on. Yeah, yeah, keep going. No, no, please keep go on, go on. So, I want to hear this. This so is fascinating. I, um, I, I, I met this man and it was very romantic. It was foreign. It was different. And that's what it is. I prayed. And I got that little warm, fuzzy feeling in my chest that told me that it was real. And then I started studying a lot. But I, it, I really didn't want to be responsible for any of my own decisions. I mean, that, that was the bottom line. I wanted to be taken care of. Even though I was working and financially providing for myself, 
I felt like I needed to be controlled. So I sought out, you know, the, the more controlling than the Mormon faith, which is crazy. So I sought that out and that's what I found. But that's what, you know, was, was attractive to me about it. Um, oh, and the, and the routine was a big thing that I was attracted to. The praying five times a day. Um, I, I had grown up in, in an environment that was chaotic. I didn't have a mom. Um, I had a lot of brothers and it was just like, so I, any kind of routine was attractive to me. So. Wow. And you were saying before, also just the exotic nature of mm-hmm. it, the fact that it's like Far East religion. Yeah. Well, yeah, what, um, Fe- what Fessel called desert fever. <laughs> I, the, the religion that I was raised in was very racist. You couldn't even be a member of the church until 78 or if you were black, like they wouldn't let you be a member. Um, we were taught that the more pious and good you were, the lighter your skin would become. So um, literally, can I, can I, if I could just interject in Islam, we have something like that too. So black Muslims, when they go to heaven, they become white. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's crazy. The yeah, whole, Bilal, the, Bilal became white when the racist, yeah, well, I should also really mention good, that the it? virgins in heaven in the Quran, the Huris are described as wide eyed in the Quran, which means that, and I used to tell people like, you know, when you see all these things on the internet, it's like, do you have an Asian fetish? I'm like, well, those people are screwed. Right. Yeah. And, and also like, skin, skin unless, so white that you can see their veins bone marrow. through them. You can see yeah. their bone yeah. marrow. That's how white. So there's a lot of racial elements to the Huris too. It's fascinating. Unless unless you have an anime fetish, and then you then you're good. <laughs> yeah, well then you're good on Earth <laughs> because you're not really you know, nothing's happening. But anyway, sorry. So they were racist. I really believed that people with dark skin. They were, well, Mormons, you exist in the pre-existence. So before you get a body, everyone's up in heaven together. And there was a big battle and the people that had dark skin were less valiant. They didn't fight as hard in, in the battle, in the pre-existence. So they were automatically bad, if that makes sense. Like, so I looked at them like they were lesser. And um, my dad was very racist. He drove me around to bad areas in LA and would tell me, don't ever marry somebody with dark skin because this will be your life. And um, so I did exactly what you told me not to do and found somebody with brown skin. Did you view your husband as lesser when you married him? He had dark skin. No, because as I was coming out of the Mormon church and studying Islam, I um, I kind of lost a lot of that, you know, that that I'm better. Because I we used to say I was very like I'm, I'm overweight. I was very overweight. I was 350 pounds. Um, so. Um, when you met yeah, him, which was another reason why I, you know, they kind of like the big girls. Um, it, it, it's slim pickings when you're giant. You know what I mean? So, um, I he made me feel beautiful. He liked he liked the kebab. He did. <laughs> so he made me feel beautiful. He likes the junk in the trunk. <laughs> he he said he told me the body's a vessel and it doesn't matter what you look like. And I I it's it it's the afterlife. And it was poetry and how beautiful Islam was and how wonderful Muhammad was. And he was the first feminist. And I believed all of that, all of it at first. That was the attraction. Well, I mean, you know, what's what's really interesting is that uh, in, when Islam first came to India, uh, one of the reasons it was so appealing to people is they had the caste system there. And the caste system, basically, if you were born in one of the lower castes, like the untouchables, then you were doomed to stay there forever. And then Islam came in and they had, you know, we had Bilal, the black slave, and blah, blah, blah. And in Islam, everybody's the same as long as you take the Shahada, right? And uh, the Shahada, again, is a declaration of Islamic faith. And, uh, you know, once you do that, everybody's the same. So a lot of the people from the lower castes 
started converting to Islam, and then they started, you know, pretty much putting their sticking their middle finger up to to the caste system. So that's actually a way in which um, I remember when we were younger, we were shown Hajj. Like when they showed everybody, like, look, everybody, all races, all cultures, everybody's just wearing those two white towels or, you know, the haram. And um, it, it sort of equalizes. It, it's it's marketed that way. Of course, it's not like that in, yeah, in but practice. It is, but... it is kind of true. I mean, both Islam and Christianity are both, to some extent, a, a universalist religions. Yeah, you convert Judaism, whoever you are, you convert your in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you look at Judaism, it's much more of a tribal religion that your mother has to be Jewish for you to be considered Jewish. But in Islam and Christianity, if you convert to that religion, they take you. That being said, there are the dynamics of Arab nationalism slash all of these things of all the racism. Iraqis hate Saudis. Saudis hate Lebanese. Lebanese hates. Pakistanis, like there are all these. So, Jen, did you ever move to Scotland? Then is that what happened? So you met him online. You had your, you did your shahada, and then you moved to Scotland, or what was I the next there step? For years, um, and then we, well, we moved around a lot because he was in finance. So um, I started taking prayer classes, and I started taking classes to learn how to read Arabic, so I could, I had to do it right, right. So um, hold on. So his Pakistani wants you to learn Arabic. Yeah, well, his 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 mom's family's from India, and the dad's family's from Pakistan. Prior to the partition, um, I think the dad's family went to Pakistan. Is how it worked. But both of these countries don't speak Arabic, though. Right. So yeah, yeah, the, I know. But we love the Arabs, though. Pakistan's they 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 give all their kids Arab names or Iranian names. They they yeah, really Iranian, look up yeah, to the, they have an inferior yeah they have this like inferiority complex when it comes to Arabs and uh, Iran. The Sunnis mainly for the Arabs, and then all the Sunnis in Pakistan want to become Arab, and all the Shias in Pakistan want to become Iranian. You're uh, all Shia, really right? Except for yeah, so you guys all have Shia backgrounds. Shia uh, backgounds, yeah. Yeah. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as the most Shia person you would ever meet. But yeah. I didn't realize the difference because I it was Sunni, you know that that I had converted into. We had Shia friends. We had to hide our friendships with, like we couldn't let his parents or family know that we were friends with them because it it was forbidden. Like we couldn't even speak to them. It was I didn't understand it. So this is a pretty conservative. Yeah, yeah. So they um and sectarian. <laughs> yeah. The, That's the way it was with me too, Jen. I, I, they weren't allowed in our mosque. I didn't understand it because I I came from, you know, I understood racism and I understood people feeling like they're better, but I didn't understand the whole Sunni Shia thing at all. But eventually I started to, to feel negatively towards Shia because I was just like, well, there must be a reason why they don't like them so much. Same thing for, you know. Oh, there is. Yeah, there's something terrible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell, tell me about it. So, <laughs> it's it's funny how you hear it oh. enough and the brainwashing, it, it just, you start to, it's like the, the negative comments about Jews that my, my I heard all the time and I started to think bad things about Jews too. You know, that that, that there was not hateful things, but I, I've talked about it very openly. I was very extreme. So I was very hateful of of Jews and very celebratory of, of terrorist activities. Do you have do you have videos and sermons or that you have given that are available online for people to see your transformation? No. But Jen has had has had um, conversations once she became an atheist. So she's got a, a very detailed podcast with Lalu Dagash where she goes into her history. Mm. That's yeah, that's um, awesome. 
I, yeah. So, so Jen, yeah. when you were, so now you're in Pakistan, how, I just wondering how many years were you Muslim? Because I've heard this thing that Muslim converts usually stay Muslim for about five years before they see the light. I was 12. Yeah. Mm, 12 years, right? Yeah. So, so how did you, so your, your ex-husband was in Scotland. Uh, you went, you went there. Um, and how, so how did you end up in Pakistan and where in Pakistan did you end up? Festival. Um, oh, festival. Okay, up in the Punjab. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we went for, for family vacations a lot and um, we traveled a lot. So that that's pretty much how you, you initially it was just for traveling and things. But things got a little bit crazy towards the end. I mean, towards the last few years when he took the kids. So that's why I wound up over there. Oh, okay. So do you want to talk about it? Like what, what happened? How did it get crazy? Well, um, I came home from work one day and my kids were gone and he'd, he'd taken them. So, wow. It's a, this wait a minute. Were you in Pakistan or in Scotland? I was in Scotland. And your kids were gone like he had taken them to Pakistan? Mm-hmm. And you flew to it. Pakistan to see them? I had to go. Yeah, I went with his sister. He has a sister that's a, not, she's a lesbian. And I'm not, like, it, they don't ever talk about it. She's kind of went away from the family for 15 or t 17 years or so. That's um, weird because I heard that Islam is not homophobic at all and it's super gay friendly. Right? It's so gay friendly. Like, you know, they, they didn't disown her or anything for being gay. <laughs> but so it, it took years to to get them back. It, not Not necessarily like get them back. It wasn't like a not without my daughter thing. I didn't have to go like rescue them with like, um, I had to go convince him that the relationship was okay. Now, we have my daughter for people who don't know. Is oh, right. it, Sally Fields um, had played. It was a book as well about a lady that had gone to Iran and had and couldn't leave. So kind of the same kind of situation where you go into a foreign country, your passport's gone, and you don't really have any kind of recourse or resources to get out. Hold on, did you join ISIS? I thought about it. Not ISIS back then. <laughs> So how long were you in Pakistan for? Well, two years off and on. Um, and it, it was really difficult because at the time I had to fake being in love with him, if that makes sense. Like I, yeah, cause I didn't even want children. him to touch me. And, and so for years it, I had to just bide my time until I could find a way to get out. And then, so we were back in Scotland. Um, Eventually, we'd gone back to Scotland, and that's when I left, is is I had convinced him that we were going to go on holiday. And I called him once we got here and said that I, I wasn't ever going to come back. And that was it. So you had American passports for your kids or something? Like you were able to? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dual. They have dual. Everyone has dual citizenship, so it's, it makes it easier. What was it like being a, a white woman, like an American in Pakistan? What was it like living there for two years? Um, it was weird because you're hated and loved at the same time, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, that's how they treat <laughs> Arabs too. So it's like, and, and your, your Islam is always suspect. Like if, if you aren't doing something the right way, um, always, always suspect. So if my, if my pronunciation of my, you were talking about like Arab, Arabic and, and Pakistanis. It's a big deal if you mispronounce something. I got my head smacked at, in in the mosque because my toe was pointed the wrong way when I was doing namaz, 
and um, I had said something. I don't even know what what it was that I'd said wrong. I did the wrong order. I I don't even know. Um, so this lady said that I had to do it over again. You had your feet towards the qibla. No, my toe. Right? It supposedly your right foot has to be tucked under your butt first, and then your left oh. foot tucked under and my right oh, foot. Oh, when you're sitting down during prayer. I, I, that's that's a Sunni <laughs> thing, guys. So this is, I know this from Saudi Arabia. Uh, you're supposed to have one foot is sort of like parallel to the ground. The other is vertical to the ground. And it has to be, your toes have to be in a certain position. You guys don't do that? Shias don't do that? It's fucking Sunnis, man. You guys are just like. Sunnis, literally, you cannot do anything that isn't prescribed for you. There's absolutely no opportunity for you to use your brain. You even have to put your right foot in your shoe first when you're getting dressed. Does Shias have that for the Toilet. Does she has have that when you for entering the washroom? You yep, have to we go have that too. The, oh, you have that yeah. too. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So that's actually what you just explained. Uh, so I, I, I've done some work in, in counterterrorism and counter extremism through multiple companies that just sell something for multiple places, and that kind of explains why white converts tend to be kind of the worst when it comes to extremism, because many of them have to prove themselves constantly. Mm-hmm to their constituents and their surrounding to be, I mean, that kind of explains why so many white Muslims join ISIS compared to others is because in order for a white person to be a Muslim, they have to be constantly prove themselves to be a right Muslim. So they have to be much more religious than even the people who were born with that religion. So white converts sometimes tend to be more religious than the Arab Muslim converts because they are constantly under scrutiny by brown Muslims who are very skeptical about their devotion. Constantly judging. Uh, Constantly judging. And that's why, like, I am, and and that can be a general statement that I'm not worried of saying it right now, but I am very worried about white converts in general. White converts have a much more like like, uh, conversion rate to terrorist groups than any other minority groups that have joined Islam. And that is, I think, many of it is because- Most of of the converts were pretty extreme that I knew. It's cultural appropriation. Yes. (laughs) It is cultural appropriation. Yeah. Because is it, are white people just feeling like bored that that their culture is, are they feeling like they're looking for something exotic and fun and interesting? Like, what is it? I think as an, well, as as an American, I know because I had belonged to a group of converts. There was there was um, it was like women married to to Muslim guys. So, and a lot of them um, over the years, none of them are Muslim anymore. I think there may be like five or something out of hundreds. But um, the the thing that that we kind of all had in common was that it was it was the exotic nature. It was um, Americans don't really have a culture. So, so they kind of feel like um, they because they'd always complain that Americans don't have culture. That would be their culture. So I, I, I never really. I mean, I understood why I did it, and I understood. You know, we talked about the reasons why. But as far as like getting super extreme, because there were some ladies that that came into it and didn't get extreme. Um, not very many, though. Most of them, if you were white, they, and I think a big thing is you have to prove yourself. When you first convert, you're celebrated. Everyone, you're the most amazing person on the face of the earth. Oh my gosh, you know, mashallah, it's wonderful. Um, Can you tell us more about this? Can you tell us more about your Shahada 
day ceremony or the people who were around you at that day? Um, well, the first time I did it, I did it in Orange County in, in a mosque um, in, in California. And um, they, they were all Arabs. There was no Asians at all. And um, well, what are Asians do? But yeah, uh, and I get you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm the British Asian thing. It's it's in my head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, there was a guy that I that I had gotten to know. His name was Ali, and he was from Jordan. <gasps> and he was the one that he was a friend. He wasn't like a, a love interest, but he was the one that um, got me that that introduced me to people that that would take me through what I needed to do in order to be a Muslim. So. That was the first time. It was such a cool day because um, they there was a everyone was so nice. There was the the man who um, he wasn't the imam, but he was I don't know what what he was. He was like in charge of the mosque, but he wasn't the imam. He was like he financially provided for it, and he was like the the father figure. He came he came into the mosque, and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, this wonderful guy's here!" But I didn't know who he was, you know, he wasn't, he didn't he have a the, position. He's the sheikh. He's the sheikh of the, of the no, mosque. Yeah, but they didn't call him sheikh. It was weird. Um, so, but he had a, a restaurant. He owned restaurants. So he threw this big party afterwards. So I felt, I felt special. I felt like a princess. And the clothes, oh, and, and the clothes, I felt like a princess um, because I got to wear, not that, not that I didn't wear dresses, but I, I specifically wore a lot of skirts and dresses and I was raised in a modest environment, like the religion, you had to be modest. So I felt more, the more covered I was, the more safe and secure I felt. So I loved, I, I, had, I wore hijab from day one. So the second I, even before I took Shahada, I wore the hijab. And then you wore niqab later too, didn't you? Because mm-hmm. I went like, I have to be even more of, of a Muslim. I have to continuously. You got to out Muslim all the other Muslims. That damn straight. I did it right, man. <laughs> Yeah so, yeah. so do you do you think that that you were was the reward the approval of other Muslims? Do you think like before that you weren't being noticed, you weren't being valued, and the, it was the Muslim these the community that saw see you as somebody significant and valued you and praised you? Do you think that sense of acceptance and sense of belonging to a community, was that the appeal? And identity, actually. I don't know, because I had that with the Mor- Mormons are very much about the, the, yeah, the community and they keep you busy um, so that you don't have time to think. So you're, you're scheduled from, you know, morning to night and all through the week. But I had started to drift away from that. So maybe uh, I had, I was missing it, maybe, I think. Um, now, I hadn't really thought about it. Now that I think about it, it probably was that. And I felt included. Um, I, I grew up in a, my childhood was very bad, full of a lot of abuse. And, and, and I, my mom had left. Um, so I didn't, uh, it was just, it was chaotic and it, it wasn't good. And I had been abused by a lot of different men. So I think um, I was a mess, to be honest. That's a common thread, though, isn't it, Jen? A lot of yeah. women that convert to Islam have tumultuous pasts like yours. Almost all of them, I think. I don't know that any sane person that comes from a normal past would be able to convert to that kind of of. Well, I know, faith. I know a white convert who converted to Islam on the day of the Boston bombing. What? Yeah, yeah, and. Uh... She wore like a that's going to inspire you to become a Muslim. Yeah, and then she wore a hijab like the day after, and she was she was featured in. I don't want to mention her name because I don't think she's relevant. 
but uh, she was that for uh, attention. Um, Cause I love the is, attention so I got thing. when I wore hijab. I loved it. Yeah. So that is the thing. I, I mean, do the question is so, so in, in former podcasts, I was talking about uh, how many white. So I, I live in America, just as so you do. So the three people here are Canadian citizens. They live in Canada, but I live in America and uh, I do find that in American culture, there is this like, strong sense of individualism and everyone wants to be cool and everyone wants to be like be different. the center different. of the universe and different. They want to fit in but stand out too. And edgy. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed. It was really fascinating. So I do find the appeal of Islam to be strong, I think, here in the United States because it would make you look different and you will get attention that you will never get Everyone Just wants to know, why did you convert? Why are you wearing hijab? Like, I got hassled yeah, at the yeah, airport. Yeah. I loved yeah, you getting hassled at the airport. So you loved getting accosted at the airport? Is that what you said? Yeah, well, because they, I, I, I remember the first time I had um, come into the U.S. after taking Shahada and getting married. It was before I had my daughter. So I, I had a lot of scarves um, and shawar kameez, um, which is the Indian outfits that they wear. Um, in my luggage and they were giving me a hard time. Like, do your parents, I was like 20, I think. They were like, do your parents know that you have these? I didn't understand what it had to do, but I was like, you know, how dare you? What are you questioning me? This is my right as, you know, an American. What are you, what are you saying to me? So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being challenged. I enjoyed them until my son was put on the no-fly list. Then I did not enjoy airports at all. I don't know. My son, I, I'm not going to say his name, but it, my son has the same name as some, some terrorist. And so he's on the no-fly list. He still can go, like, when we go. But I have to, we have to go through secondary inspection. They have to, you know, look him up and make sure he's not the same person. Yeah. yeah. And I was on that, too, actually. I had to. I, I could never check in at the kiosk. Yeah, yeah. I always had to. For the longest time, I had to go to the attendant. And, you know, after a while, it started working out because then everybody was at the kiosk and there was nobody with the attendant. Oh, so I, there was no, So I always ended That's up. Smart. I always ended up going in earlier. There's some dude in Afghanistan or something that had. So I always had to go up there. Um, and they had to check my name and they had to confirm my birthday mm -hmm, yeah. and make sure it wasn't the same birthday as the guy. But that stopped actually several years ago. I think they figured it out. Um, Lucky you. They're like, this guy's a hardcore atheist. Like, my son was three. <laughs> they, they, they're like, they should have the a list. separate He's line three. for atheists at airports. And they, they should have a separate line. You should be able to go to say, listen, I'm an atheist. I don't, I'm not going anywhere if I blow up this plane. I like my life. I, I don't believe in anything else. So yeah, let me through. <laughs> They should have a separate line. It should be like Nexus. We just fucking go right through because you're an atheist. I think so. That'd be pretty cool. I'd be down for that. Yeah, it would be awesome. I'd be totally down for that. Did you? So at what point did you decide to like? What started making you leave Islam and be like? Um, it, it was it was it like your logical reasoning or did you? Oh, have it was some... all emotional. I came in for emotions. I left for emotions. <laughs> my son. There wasn't any suck, Armin. That was my. It was my son. That that. I I um. I, it's, it's a story I tell a lot, but it's, um, my son had, I, I was working a 16 hour shift. I was a nurse and, um, I come home from work and he had dumped sugar and, um, cream, double cream in the UK. I don't know if it's like a very thick cream poured it everywhere. And I, and I told him to clean it up and he said, I don't have to, I'm a boy. And my ex said, no, he doesn't. And he told me to clean it up. And I just come off. He, my ex wasn't working at that time. So 16 hours. 
And so he told me to clean it up. And I did. And I, at that moment, I said, I, you know, something in my head just went, I can't do this to my son. So that, that's what started it. But it took years for me to be able to get away. Uh, how, how old was your son at the time? He was like three. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he yeah. Was. And he already knew. He already mm-hmm. knew he didn't have to clean it up because he was a boy. Well, I don't clean up. I don't clean up anything. And I'm not even a boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my kids are the only grandkids. So there's no... In the family, there's four kids and my ex is none of this. One sister could never have kids and adoption is not okay in Islam, which I didn't really, or it's not, it's not that it's not okay, but you can't inherit. There, there's a lot of things they don't like to adopt. Yeah. Uh, the prophet Muhammad, his adopted son's uh, divorcee. So that's why right. he basically said that it's uh, adoption. It's they can't be equivalent to biological kids because then. It would have been taboo. So, yeah. so they her they were very wealthy, um, and and so they could they could really give a good home, you know. And she's really lovely. Um, they're they're not too extreme. It's just a shame that they didn't, you know, ever have kids. But and the other sister's lesbian, so she was never going to have kids. And the brother, um, did it can't have. He's he's also, um, I don't know. His sperm doesn't work. So you were the you were the great white hope. Yeah, and and then I and I took them away. <laughs> I feel bad, but um, they treated when my daughter. Do- oh, that was the other thing. My daughter was born because it was such a big deal. It was the first grandkid, and um, there was my my. I was getting along with my ex mother in law then, and so they threw like a big party. They had animals sacrificed. Um, all of this was kind of new to me. I mean, I I had been Muslim for a couple of years at that point, but I, you know, it was new things, and it was all exciting and um. But when my son was born, it was like my daughter didn't exist anymore. And yeah. they they sacrificed more animals for him. They gave more sweets. It was like double everything for him. Um, all the parties were, were you know, bigger. And um, even though I wasn't getting along with my ex-mother-in-law at that point, like we didn't speak for a number of years because I put the Quran on the floor one time. And oh my God. Um, yeah, right. Worst thing ever. So she she wouldn't speak to me like three months. She didn't talk to me. Um, and that, and then I told the story on a, a video a long time ago. I actually like, put salt in the tea. We had people coming over and I, instead, on it, purpose? no, there was the salt in one container and the sugar right next to it, not labeled. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be the dutiful daughter-in-law and serve tea and I put salt in everyone's tea. So that is, uh, so that, that's obviously not a religion thing, right? But no, that's, that's a crazy like ass a... mother-in-law thing, but it just, it just, it ruins <laughs> just so she started bringing women into the house um she wanted my ex to divorce me and and because we were living with her so she started bringing women like her friend's daughters to stay in our house for weeks at a time and in front of my face she would say to him divorce her marry this one divorce her she hated me so much is this all because you put the quran on the floor like didn't she know you're learning it started with that she, it didn't matter. It started with that. Why Why did you, so did you accidentally put the crown on the floor out of ignorance or was it something that you purposely did? No, I didn't know. It, like, because, uh, you know, when I studied the Bible and stuff, I just, you know, if I had to move, I took it from the, the sofa and put it on the floor just for a second. And she, <laughs> I'd never seen anyone blow their mind like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. That's a, that's a big, big yeah, taboo. Yeah. I had no so. clue, the, you know, what a big deal it was. And Well, you know, that's what led you here. That's good. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I, can, I, can I ask you another question? Uh, you know, when you were talking about when you were wearing hijab and, and um, 
you know, uh, do, you, do you found you like the attention and all mm -hmm. that? You know, you said that. So, you know, when you hear these arguments here in the West, when people say that, oh, you know, they're wearing hijab out of choice or wearing burqa out of choice, because I actually happen to know somebody who wore the full burqa and she said that she did it out of choice. And Yaz actually brought up a really good point that when she used to wear it, she used to say that you used to also say that, you know, you wear it out of choice, but deep inside you, you didn't, right? You hated it. So what was it like for you when you were wearing it? You'd hear people say that, oh, okay, this is no woman wearing a hijab or burqa actually really chooses it. Uh, but in the in your sense, it seems like you did, right? So how much was it a choice at that time and it is it now? Or was it, did you hate it back then too? Or I started to hate it. I At first it was a choice. Um, nobody told me to wear it. Nobody it wasn't really pushed. My ex even told me he didn't want me to wear it. He he preferred women out of it. But something happened uh, probably about a year into it. I was wearing it, but he he still was kind of against it. And then about a year into it, um, oh, I lost a lot of weight. That's what happened. I lost 160 pounds in, in like 18 months. And as soon as I lost the weight, he wanted me completely covered. He didn't want anyone talking to me. He didn't. It, it, I was getting attention. Why? What What made the difference? Lost a weight. Yeah, yeah. Now he thinks that she's going to attract other guys and all that. So, 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 so basically he thinks like being, being, having high weight acts like a hijab. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> so, actually, yeah. But at, and then at the same time. I, we we, we have to getting... have a separate episode on how you did that because I need to know how to lose 160. That is yeah. amazing. That's like pretty, that's a phenomenal. But anyway, I don't want to digress, but totally go ahead. Will. We'll totally talk about it because I'm, I'm working on it again because uh, we'll go there later. Um, but I, I, once I, it's funny because once I didn't want to wear it anymore, because there was a time when you're kind of like, I don't know that I really want to, but you can't just take it off. You can't just say, oh, I changed my mind. It did. That's, there's no way. It doesn't work that way. It's not just a piece of no. clothing. So it, it, your morality is wrapped up in it. You're, you're, you're seeing if once you put it on, you take it off, you're, you're a whore. You know, you want to show yourself off. You want to, the, you want the men to look at you and to hit on you. So, you know, you may, you're just used dirty goods. So yeah, at first it's a choice and, and I really dug it. I really liked the attention. I really liked, um, I loved being covered. I loved everything about it until I didn't have the choice anymore. And then I hated it. But I kept doing it because I thought I really did everything because I thought it pleased a lot. I really, really genuinely. Oh, really? So you were conscious of like it wasn't just the people around you. You actually did feel God observing mm -hmm. you, right? Like you felt like his approval and you. OK, so. You were so conscious it was both. It. Did, you ha did you feel like you have a personal. Did you think like you had a personal relationship with him? Yeah. Yeah, I I really every before I made any decisions, um, I made sure that I prayed. You know, I just I I really genuinely believed and 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 bought into it, and I wanted every when I say that every decision was because I I thought it would please Allah. I'm literally every decision I made, including naming my children, deciding to circumcise my son. The things I didn't want to do, I did anyway because I knew that it, it was necessary. Allah wasn't a nice guy, you know? So did you feel like somebody was actually listening from the other end? Yeah, but I felt that way when I was Mormon, too. Because I think 
being raised Mormon kind of set me up for uh, being brainwashed into Islam because Mormons rely on feelings. So when you pray to God, they talk about a burning in your bosom. So it's, it's that, that, that in your chest, you know, that, that feeling that that's confirmation. So they tell you whenever you pray, a heart attack. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So they tell you that that feeling is confirmation for anything, anything that you do and you ask permission for, you ask advice. If you get that feeling, then you have your answer, but then you base everything on feelings, which is terrible. But so, so, so would you agree that being like being somebody that is already duped by Christianity or some other con makes you condition, like makes your mind well conditioned for being taken advantage of by some other kind of delusion, right? Absolutely. I I think it's worse um, when it's, it's an environment like maybe like a Jehovah's Witness, um, Scientologist, I don't know if Scientologists go into and convert to Islam, but I think in that kind of environment, the Mormon church, a cult kind of environment, because Mormons don't kill you for leaving, but you lose everything when you leave everything. So it's kind of, it's, it's a kind of, um, it's a kind of death. If we have met you before going, like converting to Islam, what, what would you recommend? Like if we had like only five minutes of your time and we could say something to you, what would you, if we could go back in time, what would you have us say to you? For, for for us to prevent you going down the path that you did? Um, oh gosh. Listen, I, I listen, listen to people who, who have experienced it and been there. I, I cannot I, I didn't really understand how important people's stories were and their experiences and their lived experiences were until I've I've heard um how much they're ignored and how much the lived experiences people know better. And, and I don't know if you could force people to, to listen more, but I think the other thing is uh, Muhammad marrying a six-year-old. That that right there, if I had known that, because I didn't know that, I was told she was 18. Um, and by the time I was, I was, brain, I was already brainwashed when I found out that she was just a baby. Um, so th- because of my past, because of my childhood and the way what had happened when I was young, I would have stayed away from Islam. I could not have known that he married Aisha at six, um, I, I don't, or nine or whatever, very, very young. You know, I, I could not have known that and still converted. I, I, I don't believe that I would have. Yeah, the, it's it's kind of interesting that the, um, like there's so many, there are also commonalities, right? And like with Mormonism, there's polygamy. Underage uh, There's marriage. also child marriage. Uh, I was 16. Um, yeah, and, and this is the same thing with Islam, you know, polygamy is sanctioned, you know, child marriage is part of the prophetic mm-hmm. tradition. Um, and you know, I, I wanted, were there any common elements? I know that you said that you liked it, you found it appealing because it was different, but there, were there any commonalities or familiar things between the two, uh, that you found relatable? Do you know, um, Joseph Smith and, and the other prophets of the Mormon church and Mormons believe mm. in a modern prophet. Um, so he sits in Salt Lake city and talks to God. Basically we, I used to believe he had a telephone line to God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do I, but by the we way. we were taught. <laughs> really? Sweet. I just want to, yeah, I just, I just <laughs> yeah, I talk to him all the time. We chill. <laughs> we were, we were taught um, that. I fought Allah and Allah won. I fought Allah and Allah won. Yeah. <laughs> so we were taught the next best and truest religion was Islam. Mormons look up to, to Sharia. I mean, in, in, um, at BYU, they talk about how they really mm-hmm. look up to Sharia law. 
that they think modesty was a big thing. That was, that's the one thing I mentioned. Um, I was told and taught my entire life that if you lose your virtue by being raped, if you don't lose your life fighting for your virtue, then you may as well be dead. So we were taught better to come home in a pine box than without your virtue. So virtue is in your vagina, basically. That's where it is. Yeah. After that. Right. So that um, that's very similar. So it, it you you were used goods. I mean, it, it was all about your virginity and staying chaste and, and modest. And then every six months as a Mormon, starting at the age of 12, you're interviewed by the bishop. And they don't do it privately anymore. They used to close the door with just you and the bishop is um, an older man, generally, um, who's the leader of the ward. They separate the areas of Mormon churches into wards. Um, they ask you about masturbation and um, whether if you've touched, if you've had anything to do with boys. And then if you say yes, they want details. And I mean, details like how long, what did he do? How did he do it in explicit detail? So, and then they want to know if you masturbate, um, if you, when you do it, how you do it, how long you do it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But that, that's across the entire Mormon church. That's, that's what they do. What was your favorite? (laughs) (laughs) Was it good for you? Yeah. Yeah. So it it was very much about controlling and that's not just the girls, that's the boys too, but it's very much about controlling the girls and and the girls this is like something that even in uh like whether it's in islam or in christianity i i think a lot of this is just you know the fetishization of the virgin mary like when they go with the virgin mary it's like oh yeah you know there was no she was chaste and innocent and pure because no penis ever touched her but god forbid a penis ever touch her and that means you're not innocent penises are great you can't spell happiness without penis you can't. You can't. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. Well, and and you know the thing is like that's a one time absence. Actually so worked when, as a form when you of left Islam. When you left Islam, why didn't you go back to uh, Mormonism or another form of Christianity? Why did you go? Why did you go? Why did you leave? I did. Oh, you did. Okay, but at what point did you just leave everything altogether? Uh, about five and a half years ago, maybe six years. What ago. did? What made you leave every all religion? Um. Uh, a man, a friend of mine who said, I can make you believe there's no God. And I said, no, I can make you believe there's a God. I was so sure. So he said, mm-hmm. do you believe in pink unicorns? And I said, no, that's stupid. There's no unicorns. There's no pink unicorns. He says, but I see one right there in the corner. I swear to you, there's a pink unicorn right there. You don't I see it. I feel it in my heart. It's burning mm-hmm. in my chest. So you Great don't going. see it. How do you know it's not there? And, and Heartburn. something about, right? Something about that, the way he said it, it, I just went, oh my gosh, there, oh my gosh, there's no God. Oh my gosh. So, and then I spent two years reading anything I could about atheism. Like, like, just what did you read? Devouring Dawkins, Harris, uh, Hitchens. Uh, I, I just finished reading Ollie's book. Um, oh, Lala made me buy it though. So, um, who, uh, sorry, who, what, <laughs> who made you buy it? Lala. Um, Oh, I thought you said Allah made you buy no. it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then because I didn't even know that the, the earth was more than 6,000 years old. I thought the earth was 6,000 years old. I was a creationist. So I, I all these things, the universe, the, the planets, the science, all these things were new to me. And I was, so um, I had these kids that I had to teach. So we learned together. So, so going from Christianity 
so basically it's like this Christianity, Islam, Islam, Christianity, Christianity, atheism, right? If I could just interrupt for one second, Armin, Mormonism no, is a little bit yeah. different than, than Christianity in general. Yes, it's very different actually, but recently they're going through a PR thing that they want to claim that they're the same because they want to be accepted. But you're completely right. They're very, yeah, very they're not, they're not at very all. Different. They, they, they're very, they, you know, yeah. So, 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 but, but do you find like, Going from going from you know Mormonism at the end with Mormonism to atheism, do you think that that was as much of a liberation as going from Islam to uh, Mormonism? No, um, the most the the biggest liberation came leaving Islam. That was that, and hmm. I didn't really go back to Mormonism. Like I couldn't believe it, but I went back to church because I didn't know where else to go. I was lost. Comfort. Mm-hmm. It's your family. It's your. It's what you know. Yeah. yeah. And but very quickly, I realized that it wasn't right. And um, so, so it sounds like it was emotional first, and then it after that it was more cognitive. Mm-hmm. No, it just it wasn't um it, it wasn't an instant thing. It was it was it was gradual. But I never really technically, you know, I I tried to go back, but I, then you know, um, <laughs> Mormons men tend to be very lecherous and um. I, I wound up, I was at church a couple times and a married man came up and, and asked me a, a, something about if he could go down on me or something, it was something disgusting. I was at church. So I, mm. I, I said, I couldn't, I, I wasn't going to allow myself to be exposed to that anymore. Um, mm. so, yeah. You know, a lot of people come tell us and, um, why, why do you, why won't you just let people believe? Why are you challenging their views? Do you, do you appreciate the fact that somebody came and tried to challenge your views in God? Um, or like, do you think that was a good thing? Or do you think that maybe you should have left you alone? Like, because I'm just trying to, what I'm trying to show to people is like, you're not forcing anybody to believe, to leave their belief in God. But the people that did end up becoming atheists, they, a lot of them say like, I'm thankful to whoever and came and talked to me about it. Do you think what what would you say to the people that say we should leave people's idea uh, beliefs alone? Um, I I I wasn't asking for it. I'm glad that he did it. I, I don't. I yeah. I, if I wasn't open to it, I wouldn't have listened. I mean, it, it was just a silly little thing, right? I mean, it, it wouldn't have been a big deal. It wasn't like he was telling me I was stupid or wrong. Um, how were you speaking to an atheist if you were a Muslim? How did that atheist even enter into your life? He was a Christian then. Yeah, it was after I left Islam. Um, he was uh, he was somebody I knew from um, seventh grade. I'd met him in seventh uh, grade. Okay, okay. Well, uh, yeah. So no, I was okay. I understand now. So you had already left Islam, and you were as a Mormon, and that's when you met him. Because as a Muslim, you probably would not be interacting with any other non-Muslim, especially <laughs> no, my family, especially non-Muslim especially men, men. Yeah. not at all, even at work. You know, that when I had to, I wasn't doing surgery or nursing or whatever, I had to make sure that I, um, I stayed away from men and my, my ex would come to the hospital sometimes to check on me. So you just really had I, to. I have a, I have a question, hmm. um, which might sound a bit different than all the rest, um, is, so it seems like your journey to Islam from Mormonism was many of it is based on emotional reasons, right? Is that is that a correct assessment? Mm-hmm. Is that it was mainly based on emotional reasons? Yeah. If you happen to have been in love with not let's let's say not this conservative fundamentalist guy, and let's say you happen to be in love with 
the same way my parents were like liberal Muslims slash secular whatever you would have stayed in Islam right would, it, would that be a correct way of like like you would if let's say you were married to Majid Nawaz not necessarily Majid Nawaz but let's say like a, a liberal Muslim who did not tell you at this exact moment that right okay if i hadn't been so extreme not... if he hadn't been so controlling i mean he put cameras up he key loggers he controlled everything i did so i didn't even yeah, have yeah. access so to money. you would have probably because your 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 connection to islam was you wanted to have an exotic non-white guy right mm -hmm. and this brown people were exotic for you in this moment of time mm -hmm. and you were attracted to a brown individual and if that brown individual that brown individual would have been liberal you would have been kind of like a liberal muslim probably yeah i probably would be on on the side of of the people fighting for islam now yeah but jen aren't you the one that made your husband more conservative because you were trying to be more muslim to prove yourself remember, as a white woman didn't want her to wear hijab before yeah right? no he was very much against it so the more so even if you had married a Majinoas type guy you would have been trying to prove yourself as a muslim so you would have made him become more conservative yeah, i kind of it's a self-fulfilling prophecy unfortunately and you, you said you said that you are attracted to some extremist groups um can you explain more about that i mean I, I, the reason why i'm asking these questions is because i'm very into the field of counterterrorism and stuff and what would so for for someone like you in that time what would have been attracted for you what what would have isis done to get you to join them um i don't know isis seems for some reason isis seems so much more extreme than than even as extreme as I was, it, it, it just—it's it, so much more vicious. Yeah, but what 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 would it? It's, it's baby steps. It's like a frog boiling. If Al Qaeda, let's say Al Qaeda, because that was Al Qaeda was available. Well, because, okay, so it, it would be it would be the same thing. I I believed that there needed to be a worldwide caliphate. I believed that everyone needed to be Muslim, and whatever, however that needed to happen, it needed to happen. So I supported anyone that that wanted to make that happen by any means so if it meant if a terrorist attack happened and something people innocent people died I, it's not like i was like yay but if it wasn't meant to happen allah wouldn't have let it happen so where were you around 9 11 jen were you a muslim then yeah yeah i was i was in and were you in pakistan no, no, reaction, no. i was in the uk at the time um, and Can you tell us about the reaction, your reaction and the reaction of the community around you? Everyone was happy. Everyone. Holy shit. Everyone that I was around in. in everyone? Like in, yep. Same thing with me, Armin. In, in that, Holy in shit. that. Oh, same you, thing with me. I, I wrote about that in my book that? too. Like I just, people. Yeah, but you couldn't find a single person that wasn't happy about it. If they no, were, they would so, keep it to themselves, right? Right. They, because she's talking about the general. publicly say anything against it. You couldn't, I mean, nobody was like jumping up and down saying, no, some people were pretty, pretty stoked about it, but nobody Ugh. was like, I'm so glad all these people died. But at the same time, it was like, um, again, if it wasn't meant to happen, then Allah wouldn't have let it happen. And it, it was the great Western power coming down. Where were you when 9-11 happened? Pardon? Where were you? Which part of the world you were in when 9-11 happened? I was in the UK. She was in Scotland, remember? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so in Scotland, 
the community that you were part of were not opposed to 9-11. They were like saying no. like, no, like that's what she's saying. They're very conservative. They're very the the Muslims that I, I married into, the family that I married into was very conservative. And that's pretty um the my ex was the most was the least conservative out of the family, except for that's why they they disowned the lesbian. Uh she, she never got married. She's always been alone. Um, but she can't be around the family because of her yeah, actually, nine yeah. eleven. There was a I and a, this is a, I I wrote about this in, in the book too. Like there, there was a Chinese lab tech who came up and he he was very happy about it because of uh, there there had been a, a plane that had shot been shot down accidentally by the U.S. just a few months ago and and he was he was beaming about it and he was saying all his friends in China were happy. It, it, it was really weird. Yeah, a lot of people thought book, it was. I a, read that thing. Yeah. yeah, it was like a there was a weird sort of like idea that okay the U.S. is finally getting punished for all this terrible mm -hmm. foreign policy and you know it's a. Uh, I mean, where were you when nine eleven happened? I was in Saint Petersburg, Russia, and I remember all the uh, all the Russian flags came halfway down as a, oh, wow. a show of solidarity. Well, yeah. check that out. They think Russia's <laughs> their big bad enemy, and Russia's flying their flags half mass. Meanwhile, yeah. the Muslims are rejoicing and happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so uh, so bring it back to the, yeah because well, outward I think that's appearances are different. That's, a, that's an important key point. I'm glad yeah. I yeah. asked you that. I had no idea. No, no, you were no, in but, Russia. but it can be. It's also there's outward appearances, like outward appearances. A lot of Muslim heads of state and a lot of Muslim people also outwardly said that this is a terrible. Yeah, Khamenei tragedy. said Khamenei said yeah, that that was a crime. But I'm pretty sure, like the Russians may have been celebrating too. You never know. I mean, there are, well, but they're celebrating again. That they're celebrating about for official appearance of reaction, yeah. and then yeah, the... of course. But but to to Yas's point, to Yas's point, you could actually measure people's reaction by their religiosity. Like in Tehran, the liberal part of Tehran, people were crying and they were like having candles in the street for all the victims, right? And but this like people are like oh look Iran, people are not people are like sad, but okay, but these are not religious people, right? Like that's Upper Tehran and other places. I don't know. Yes, I, Iran I, it really is also depends. like very, very pro-American. Like a lot of the people in Iran. That's I think yeah. one of the reasons that uh, it's really interesting is people. I, I've been. This is a little bit of a sidetrack and a footnote, but um, the U.S. A lot of it. There is some investment in Iran with the Iran deal and everything because they feel that the population yeah. in Iran is more pro-American than all of the other populations in the. So once the clerical establishment falls, yeah. Then you know they, they're waiting for them to grow up. They're waiting That's for them to grow doing. up. They're buying time. Anyway, back to the yeah, back to the but, thing. but so I mean, you raised an important point about like, um, the, so so how well were you connected to the Scottish Muslim community back then? Um, pretty, pretty, pretty well. I mean, I knew a lot of people. What happened was I got to know the wives. Um, they of of the the men that were part of these groups i didn't even know like the muslim brotherhood i i, I thought the muslim brotherhood was like a good guy they were good guys um so well, they are good guys compared to al-qaeda yes. <laughs> but that was my that was my first introduction into anything yeah. any kind of extremist group was through the prayer everybody's classes everybody's a good guy compared to al-qaeda yeah it's <laughs> true and then the 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 wives the 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 wives of the guys that uh, my husband always avoided my ex you know, he didn't want to be around. I got to know their wives and then I made him start hanging around with them. And it just kind of snowballed like boiling frog. It just little by little, 
things became more acceptable that I never would have been acceptable before. So when I talk hmm. about Aisha being the the deal breaker, I I, I think had, once I was Muslim, it was it was easier for me to accept that that she they lie. That's the thing when you when you study as a convert and you take these classes, even in in like California, because um, I've been to a lot of the, the Orange County mosques and the mosques in LA. I have a mosque down the street from my house, about three blocks actually. Um, that I've been to a lot and, but they don't tell you the truth. They, they tell you that, that she was 18, you know, and, um, that it's, and she, 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 was, and she might was, I, who, who cares? Anyway. Oh, who cares? Wow. Whoa. So, so <laughs> yeah, he's saying that even she's 18, it matters, she's still a kid. It, 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 yeah. because I mean, I mean, it's a historical, like something happened with us. No, it's very relevant, Faisal, when they say that this man is the best example of a human being and we all need to follow his right. example. And he's the first this feminist. is why every few seconds across the globe, a girl is being raped. So it does matter. It does matter for those who believe. It, but it, it, no, it matters for, of course, yeah. it matters for those who believe, and they're the ones that are making the laws that have no marriage no no legal limit of marriage it matters for people that don't believe when you're an atheist living under islamic law it matters when you're a, an eight or nine year old girl and you're being pulled into a marriage with a 50 year old man who's going to rape you and you have no choice then it matters that was a big deal like in in, in pakistan the, the first cousin marriages yeah, was a big uh, deal and then marrying young girls myself. <laughs> I said like <laughs> because, because I, I think like yeah, Faisal big... probably wants to clarify. Be careful, Faisal. You're a big girl, mister. No, uh, I mean, I, I said like, it, it doesn't matter as if like, for those of us who don't believe, it's like, it's something happened long time ago. Yeah, but and why it still it... matters because it's not just historical. It's happening today. Yeah. So if I'll, people I'll said you... he did it back then and it stopped and it finished yeah, back then, that's I, fine. I mean, I mean all, all of but if For people most, believe it now, yeah, it's, it's, it a, it's, it's a problematic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm but not. I'm I think, not saying. That... I think. I think. Face, what what he's by Faisal trying to say is like he's saying all of this is like uh, he he doesn't say that the belief in it doesn't matter. He says like. He's trying to say we don't really know what happened because there's no historical document. So basically, what his point is like. We don't know what's true anyway. So he's not talking about, that's what I think yeah. his point is. I mean, just right? like yeah. the, I mean, the argument we have the Imam Tawhidi is like, Aisha, Aisha married, Aisha married uh, four men after Muhammad. Like, who, who gives the flying fuck no, about that? That like, nobody cares about. That no, doesn't no, matter. No, I that, agree, like, nobody if, gives a flying no, fuck. But, Fine. But yeah, because I'm not Muslim and it doesn't matter to me. But whether Shias, I'm Muslim or not, I care if girls are being raped across the globe. Okay, that so can I, Faisal? But Professor, like, can I can I say yeah, something yeah. really quick before you go on? Um, there's, so the one thing I'll just give the example of Thomas Jefferson, who's also in his 40s, had sex with a 16 with a 14 year old girl or whatever, and he even had children with her. She was a slave girl, Sally Hemings. Nine so and 14 is a big difference. Yeah, big no, 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 difference. no, no. Hear me out. No, I, I don't no, think so. No, I don't think. I don't, but think, that's, I don't think 14 Armin, is also. Armin, Armin, yeah. let me let me just finish. That's not that's not the point. I mean, I'm not talking about whether even if she was nine, even if she's 14, whatever it was. The thing is. People give him a pass. Even the 14 thing is like very, very abhorrent. Okay. So his, uh, people give him a pass because nobody today is emulating Thomas Jefferson as an example for all time. Nobody thinks that he was infallible. So people say, okay, he was a slave owner. Not only did he own slaves, but he also had sex with a minor, a kid, and uh, he had kids with her. But he was a founding father in the 1700s. They used to do that at that time. It's totally wrong. We're not going to do that now. 
Now, if there were people walking around saying that he was the founding father, but he had God-given divinity, so what he did then, we could still defend now, and we can still practice now, right? Then that would be a huge problem, and Thomas Jefferson would be very, very controversial, okay? And uh, that's, that and is would be, and another, and it would be pissed another, as well, because another never point, want another point, if, people, if people start following Voldemort, I it, uh, it doesn't matter that the story of Voldemort's are not true. The fact that people think it's true and following his That's model is exactly a problem. That's exactly it. And, and when the infallibility comes in it, it changes everything. If Muhammad was just a historical figure and we we're looking at all the, the good things he did for orphans, whatever, then we could say, yeah, okay, yeah, he was also, you know, he had a child marriage just like Thomas Jefferson did, big deal. But the problem is that it's not that. And the thing is, he's an infallible figure. He's believed to have God-given divinity by yeah. over a billion people in the world. And they think that he's an an example to emulate for all time, right? So that that's a key key difference. But but the reason why Aisha like I mean the reason why I, I say it's not important for those of us who don't believe. But the more like Aisha is herself is a very controversial figure within the sects between Shia. Like there are people until today curse Aisha mm -hmm. in every prayer <laughs> because of the war that she did with Imam Ali. Like yeah, there are did, so many did. Shias. And I, I always yeah. tell them, like, can you guys just move the fuck on? Like, regardless of Aisha married three people after marriage or she reached the war. No, no, but Ali, it really does. Can, can it we... really does matter, even if you don't believe. And for this, I would actually refer everybody to an older video by another uh, sort of ex-Mormon. Right? I don't know if she's an ex-Mormon, but you know, I mentioned her earlier before the thing is that she also, she has paternally, she comes from a Muslim background. Her dad was Iranian. Maternally, she's she's Mormon. And that's Lacey mm -hmm. Green. She had a video called, why, yeah, why, do atheists, why sh do atheists care about religion? So look that up on YouTube. It's, I think, if you're listening to this, by the way, please retweet us. We could use your support. And it is. It's a fantastic video. It's a great defense of atheism. And it talks exactly why people who are atheists should give a crap about things like, you know, uh, what religious people believe and, and how it affects all of us. But so I, I think better, that. Wouldn't it be better if Muslims all believed that Aisha was 18 when she, he was, she was married to Muhammad? Yeah, Faisal, it would be nice if all Muslims didn't believe in that book that they believe in, or they didn't believe that this man was infallible at all. Yes. A lot of things would be nice. But the yeah. truth is that there is reference to her age in over 30 hadith. There is reference 36, to her. There are 36 authentic 36 hadith. Authentic hadith. You can't just change history because you feel like it's the nice thing to do. What you can say is what Ali was saying, which was, okay, so he did that in those days, and it was fine in those days. But in our days today, that is abhorrent, disgusting it's, behavior, and we do not stand fine. for it's it. It's never fine to yeah, it yeah, Of it course, Armin. Yeah, of course. course. Yeah, yeah, There's no agree. question. But my point yeah, to yeah. say is, if you want to change that, you can't change it by trying to convince Muslims of something that they've known for 1,400 years. Yes, mm. you're right. But what you can do, you can't just make up stories and say, all of you billions of people that have believed this stuff for, for over a thousand years, you were all wrong. Ask me. I know the truth. That's not going to fly. Exactly. Nobody's going to buy that you? shit. They would be like, who the fuck are you, right? Exactly. I, I, have, like, a question. Not... <laughs> I, have, I have a question for Jen, just moving off of this. And yeah, back I don't, to, I don't I was going to ask a question. No, no, I was going to ask Okay. Here's, okay. I like so this new I just want to say to end this thing, I'm sorry for freaking out at you, Faisal. I love you and adore you. 
you and I don't want to f make you feel like I jumped down your throat, even though I actually did jump down your throat. But you did deserve it, you but did, I do but, yeah, love you. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I think and Fessel, Fessel, I would, I, I would love you even if you were six years old. I would. Aww. What? In the stands. What no, 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 no. <laughs> as a as a kid, he seems he's so hey, cute. Jen, Jen, not that kind Jen, of love. So when you, Jen, when you, um, I don't. I, I here's the thing. As a person that, as a person that I, when I. Um, became more Muslim and left Islam, I always lo was looking for a logical argument for why I was believing in what I was believing. But you were you were attracted to Islam for emotional reasons. I just I just have a hard time understanding how could wanting to belong and the emotional the emotional connection that you felt and you know all those the emotional reasons made you actually convince you that the Mormon view of the world is wrong. And the Muslim view of the world is right. Like, how, how is it that all Mormons are all of a sudden wrong and Muslims are right based on a need for an emotional belonging? Like, how did you make, I don't, I don't, I just don't see how that. Oh, so how did I decide the Mormon church was wrong yeah. and Islam was right? Yeah. Because um, prayer, I mean, I, I, I had convinced myself the Mormon church was wrong. I convinced myself Joseph Smith. Well, Joseph Smith also had sex with underage girls and he married an underage girl. Um, he lied to marry an underage girl and, uh, members of my family were married very young. I was 16 the first time. So it, it was, it was, a. I I started to see the, the sexism and the misogyny and, um, it, it wasn't the life that I wanted, um, yeah. the control. It's weird that I decided to go to, uh, you know, uh, cult that controlled me even more, but I, I, I prayed because I knew that was wrong. So I prayed and it, my prayers told me Islam was right. But how how does like not wanting not wanting to belong to a misogynist ideology all of a sudden convince somebody that Muhammad to was go to a different misogynist? Not, not even not even if it was let's say Islam even wasn't misogynist, which is a big giant if. It sounds which crazy. Is, but but what would it make that convince you that you know Muhammad went on a horse, and I don't know, like Muhammad uh, Jesus was not uh, the son of God. Like how how does that emotional desire for for leaving uh, a community that you don't feel like you belong with translate in a different worldview, right? I well, because I didn't see it as misogynistic to begin with. I was introduced to the Disney pretty version of it that that wasn't real. So, so it, it, it was better than the Mormon yeah, church. But, it, it, but even if it was, even if it's better, why, why would their view of how the world works make more sense? Do you know what I'm trying to say? I, this is one thing I never understand when it comes to emotional appeal. To it, 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 it didn't, it didn't make any more sense. There was no sense to it because as soon as I started, you know, looking at it rationally, it didn't make any sense. So I was like, well, I need to get away. Um, there was things that was ugly I didn't like that I had to accept that that um, I accepted because of the emotional side of it. But there wasn't any. I mean, if I'd been thinking rationally about it or thought that this this is this is the better way, you know, I I wouldn't have done it. But I purely emotionally it made more sense because it it, it felt better. It felt right. I don't. That's it. It just it felt better. And whether it was because I was in love with this guy or because I felt that better sense of community, whatever it was, it felt right, you know? And we all do that kind of thing in our life anyway. 
Like we all just make excuses. And if you really, if you, if something feels right, you just sort of get yourself caught up in it. Like you were saying, Jen, you're in love with this guy. So there's ugly things, but you're going to ignore them because you want to be with him. And he's, and you're going to move to Scotland. It's going to be so exotic. You get to wear the hijab and it's all like, yay, this is so cool. And then you just don't pay attention to the other things as much because you're too focused on the the parts that are luring you in, you know, it, it's, it's much more emotional, Armin. It's, it's less rational than you're, than you're assuming it is, I think. And we do that in abusive relationships too, right? You don't realize it until you're out of it. And you look back and you're like, oh my God, look at all the signs. How could I have, how could I have stayed, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's human I, nature. Yeah. I, I had, I had, I guess one more question. We're also, sort of coming up to an hour, so I don't want to take up too much time. I have one question, too. Yeah. Um, is... I don't support pedophilia. <laughs> thank you. Thank I you. Mean, I <laughs> yeah. So, thank you for um, clarifying that. Yeah, 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 I just want to clarify this just to... <laughs> just get it on record. We, we know that. We know that. It's, yeah. it, this is fine. This is how a conversation happens. Jen, um, so you know the, the Book of Mormon, right? The the Broadway play. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm by the, the South Park creators, like, you know, um, uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone. I, mm-hmm. So, you know, when you see that, the response to, so you said, you know, people leave the Mormon religion, they lose everything, but they don't kill you. Uh, right. So it seems like they, they would probably feel very offended by something like the Book of Mormon. Um, but what do you think explains the difference between how Muslims would react to a play like that about the Quran versus how Mormons react to a play like that about the Book of Mormon? I mean, they, they basically take out when you come out when we watched it, they came out. We came out of the theater, um, Alishba and I, and and they were giving us flyers. They're like, "Oh, do you want to know more about the mm-hmm. Mormon religion? Here, check it out and mm-hmm. everything." That's and cute. they were they were basically using that occasion, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to do. It was they it was did. almost cute. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so so what is it that they're doing? What's in their approach that that's missing in the approach of Muslims reacting to the same kind of thing? That's an excellent question, Ali. And my question was something similar like that, where I'm asking her to compare something about how Mormons and Muslims, how things are so different in the two communities, because I guess there's very few people that actually have those two perspectives. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really good question. I'd be interested to know, because it reminds me of Fareed Zakaria when he was talking to Sam Harris, and he was saying that you can't basically say the truth about Islam because it hurts Muslims' feelings. It's like, well, I'm sure when we say the truth about Christianity, it hurts Christian people's feelings too, but it doesn't stop us. We still but, say I mean, yeah, it. Right? The question is, how do you how do you have the, I guess, uh, uh, how do you have an honest conversation while also being constructive? And that's what I really wanted to explore when I, when I in my writing. That's what I try to do. Uh, but uh, but go ahead, Jen. Mormons are are they're smart because they couldn't fight the Book of Mormon, the musical. They couldn't, the more upset they got about it, the more negative press they got. So they were smart about it and they used it to their advantage. So they were giving out those, those things after the fact. Yeah. Um, they use it as a PR, you know, Mormons are really good at PR and, and there's a, a PR firm that runs the Mormon church. Um, 
So they, 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 they just, they're, they're good at utilizing whatever's negative is out there and, and turning it into something a little bit more positive. Well, I guess because they're um, also minority and they've received so much of the yes. negative stuff. So, But Muslims are like, also well, minority. Mm-hmm. How would Muslims have reacted to a play called the Book of Islam, for example? Like how, how, what's the difference in the two communities? Like you've explained how, how Mormons are smart. They've got the PR behind them. So well, in, in the U.S., how you think the it's Muslim part of the faith. Would the faith you're allowed. I mean, the faith doesn't tell you that you can hurt people because they've insulted you. They don't, they don't tell people that it, it, their, their God or Jesus is so important that if somebody insults them, that it, they're insulting, you know, you can hurt them. I mean, it, Mormons used to have blood atonement. They used to kill people that left. And there's massacres, the Mount Meta Massacre. There's 200 people, Mormons killed, innocent men, women, and children in the 1800s um, or late, early 1900s. Um, so they've done things in, in, in the beginnings of, of the faith that were, that were awful, but that kind of, you used to make the symbol in the temple of slitting your throat and disemboweling yourself if you did anything, if you discussed the secrets of the temple or the church. Um, they took that away because it was too violent and they didn't, they didn't really mean literally, but back in the day, it was taken a little more literally. But that's the thing about Islam. Islam's taken literally. Everything is literal. You know, so if somebody does something, you have to literally do something to them because God's upset because this, Allah is so sensitive that you have to hurt people. So yeah. that's the big difference. I mean, they're, they're just taught, they're raised in a more peaceful environment. I find they're it happy, so funny that this whole literal nice thing, like taking literally as if that's an option, like taking something literally is actually an option that only applies to religious books. And, mm-hmm. and and Donald Trump's tweets, you know, like oh, don't take it so <laughs> the, 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 the things it's that have actually very the apologetics for um, Trump and religion is very similar. So similar, Armin. It's like the same thing. Trump justice warriors. Yeah, the people that are defending Linda Sarsour or defending Donald Trump or defending Muhammad, same, yeah. same, same mindset. <laughs> it's it's really weird. People, yeah. of course, They're like, oh, he didn't mean that. She didn't mean that. Exactly. This is what they really meant. You're misinterpreting it. You're blah. It's all it's about insane. it's all about the premise. Like when we were talking to the to the Imam. So if the premise is the Prophet is infallible, therefore everything he does is great. And when you are a good person, you try to interpret everything he does through a good angle. In yeah, the same way, to, people, right? no. the people who love Trump will say, well, he is a great person, therefore, he, he, all, he only meant the good things and you are misinterpreting things by saying he is doing something bad. That's uh, the, yeah. I mean, and that's a problem when politicians reach the infallibility. <laughs> uh, Armin, Armin, you should I do mean, that for, for we Atheist had Republic. That, is... We had that with Saddam Hussein when the vice president of Iraq said, Sayyidi, which means even when you are wrong, you are right. Chicken salad. Yeah. So that's like one of the quotes of Azat al-Duri, who was the vice president of Iraq during Saddam time. But I, he I said, thinking, even when you're wrong, you are right. Armin, Armin should as... do this for Atheist Republic when people come and they try to shut you down, right? Um, and they say that this is wrong. Just tell them, you guys are misinterpreting it. Yeah, Every... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Atheist Republic is an entirely pro-Islam, pro-Christian organization. Islam. So you have to you have to look at what we write metaphorically and and figuratively and really look behind. And All if right, you're we'll if try. you look at it as an atheist propaganda site, then you're getting it wrong. You're just delusional. Jen, you're muted, but I have you a question for yeah. you. Oh, the final question because I think we passed an hour already. My question actually relates to everything that we were sort of talking about right now with Trump and Linda Sarsour and whatever. So um, my question is, because you have, you're one of the very few people in the world that has an inside 
view of both Mormonism and Islam. Um, double X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You're a you're a, <laughs> you're a double X. Double X. Um, I was gonna go for triple, but I couldn't. No, think of the third that's good. One. You're perfect. I was, like, I was thinking stereotypes. <laughs> I was like, what do you guys? I come from a medical background. I was like, oh, XX chromosomes. Anyway, go ahead. So my question is, right now, you know how there's like the hijabi fetish going on, right? So they're all over Vogue and Elle and blah, blah, Playboy and the Nike swoosh and everybody thinks the hijab is so exotic in the same way that you thought your a Pakistani ex was exotic. How, so that maybe this isn't Mormons, but just American people in general. How can we get American people in general to see that this exotic culture that they're fetishizing isn't a culture at all, but they're fetishizing a religion? So if you want to fetishize Pakistani people and be like, oh, look at the beautiful Sarwal Kameez or oh, look at the beautiful Sari or you want to fetishize Somalian people or Arab people or whatever, that's great. That's fine. It's exotic and beautiful. Sure. But how can we get them to see that when they think that the hijab is exotic or when they think that Islam is exotic, it's not a culture, it's not a people, it's a religion. So if I were to say like, oh, I think Italians are so wonderful, I'm not going to start to fetishize the Pope hat, right? Because it's like, oh, I'm not going to fetishize Catholicism, I'm going to fetishize Italians, isn't it weird that they do that? Like the Islam is so it's like synonymous with brown and and it's like you talk about an arab and and you only think of Islam. You don't think of arab culture. You know that, that it has anything aside from Islam. No one thinks of no one thinks of me. Thanks for the money, BJ. No one thinks. And of you me. know what what's what's interesting there is only like 15 to 20% is it Faisal? 15 20% of Muslims are arab. But there's very yeah, there's yeah, a yeah, minority. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, I mean they fetishize, you know, Arabs and Arabic and, and um, there's another word I was looking for. Well, I, I mean, let's, 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 we have to take credit for this. Okay. We occupied, we occupied one third of the planet. No one is able to achieve that. So it's like, what are you talking about? Chinese Khan, anybody? Yeah. But like, but, like, but how, history. So like, how can Arabs... we get Americans to see that there's a difference between culture and religion? I think just well, keep but, repeating but it because they don't understand. Culture, right? They don't understand that there's a difference. That it, it, I'm like I say over and over again, Islam is a totalitarian ideology. It's not just a religion. They don't understand. That there's no secularism. There's no. There's no difference. It's 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 culture. It's religion. It's law. It depends on Islam, but you are correct. Yeah. So they they that's something that people don't really really understand that that it's that big of a deal. Um, so they really do honestly see Muslims as a race. Yeah. They're just brown people. Mm-hmm. Whether they're from Iran or Indonesia or Egypt or Pakistan or Iran, it doesn't matter. You're no. all the same. You're all just brown Muslims. You're all the same. And I say, like, Islam's not a race. It's not a race. It's not a race, obviously. And so, so someone told me that uh, the Islam was not a race. And then I replied. On uh, it was I think it was on Twitter and I said, but Islam is a race. First you hear a loud bang, then everyone starts running. <laughs> and actually, that, that's when is, I realized my, my favorite my favorite is Islam is a race. It's a race to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a religion of peace. A peace over here, a peace mm-hmm. over there. I, I sometimes I personally think, not personally think, but like, uh, culture and religion are sometimes mixed up. 
Mm-hmm. Like they're always example, mixed up. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, Arab culture. Yes, there is a secular Arab culture, but there is also a religious Arab culture, right? Salam uh, alaikum. Yes, Faisal. Uh, but when can, Americans are, are going to fetishize Arabs, where we want, that's okay for them to think that Arabs are exotic and wonderful and beautiful and love their poetry and love their music and love their yeah, food, yeah. but not to love the religion is the problem. That's the difference. They, they don't do that with any other culture. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. actually. I don't want to do a plug for our organization, but that is actually one of the things I'm going to work on within the next few months and a few years. Is actually to show that there is more diversity within our communities than just the fundamentalist uh, approach, religious approach, that there is more to the Arab world than Iran and Egypt. Wait, and Arab, just there's more to the Arab world than Iran? Iran is not Arab. No, no, and Iran. Oh. I said and. I, I, I made and. Uh, not, oh. no, I, I don't. I know that Arabs are oh. not Iranians. That, oh, thanks okay. for reminding me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm saying that there is, yeah, there is more to the world that we belong to than just the fundamentalist religious maniacs. Yes, that's true, but that's a separate that's a separate thing from what I'm talking about. So what I'm what I'm talking about are the separate you're you're saying that there are different levels of Islam. There's conservative, there's liberal, there's levels also like poetry and music and drinking and all these things. That oh, so you're saying our... different cultures within Arabs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and not just Arab, within the Islamic world. Not just culture, the fundamental Well, culture. even within Arabs, of course. Like, Iraqi yeah, yeah. culture is totally different than Syrian culture, is totally different than yeah. Egyptian culture, but, of course. But one thing you could do is quote atheist scholars within the Iranian and Arab history, right? So there are many of them, too. Yeah, because yeah. I don't want the word Arab to be associated with fundamentalist Muslim either. This is insulting, actually. This is like white. If somebody says, oh, white people, and then it just automatically means like mayonnaise or something. Sarah like, wouldn't Palin. you be offended? Like, yeah. there's 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 white people in um, Iceland. There's white people in Italy. There's Bosnia. white people in Russia. There's white people in Bosnia. There's white people all over the world. Yeah, yeah. So in the same way that you don't want to all be painted with the same brush. But they paint us with the same brush. <laughs> yeah. Racism. Uh, so they paint us with the same brush. They don't apply the same. But the, the thing is, is Muslims themselves. aren't even an effing race. I mean, <laughs> it's no. like saying all Catholics are the same. Whether you're from the from the Philippines or whether you're from Mexico or yeah. whether you're from Italy, you're all the same because you're actually, all Catholic. We actually, we, we actually just recently talked to an Indonesian Muslim, and he was like, you know, I. But Muslims do this to themselves as well because they were like he wasn't being accepted in their Islamic community because he didn't look Muslim enough to them. So he was like, yeah. "Well, I look I'm Asian, like I'm Asian, and these people don't know that Indonesia is the largest Islamic country in the world. I'm coming to this meeting with other Muslims, and they don't even consider me Muslim because they don't look the part." So it's not just non-Muslim that do this to Muslims. Muslims do this to themselves as well. Do you know yeah, why? It's a, it's also do you know plays- why? Because this is what Muhammad wanted. He wanted us all to be, he wanted Muslims to be all one ummah, yep. regardless of your race, regardless of your culture, regardless of your background, regardless of your language. Yes. Forget all that. You are Muslim first and foremost. 
That's and 1,400 years later, he, he has succeeded. And that's why it pisses me off. Oh, well, no, he hasn't succeeded. There's a lot back. of internal <laughs> racism. And uh, he actually failed. He, he failed while he was alive. He failed right after he died. And he failed right now, because, uh, given what you see, because Arabs think that there's a superior race. Well, Iranians, the, the religion, Iranians feel are, like they're their superior race. No, yeah, but Arabs the, really are, though. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the religion, <laughs> as, as uh, the religion, the religion and culture thing is sort of like symbiotic and they they play off of each other so whereas you know in for example in india and pakistan right pakistani muslims probably have more in common culturally than with indian hindus than they do with indonesian muslims or arab muslims and arab egyptian like egyptian arab egyptians egyptian muslims probably have more in common culturally than egyptian christians right than they do with turkish muslims for instance so there is the whole cultural thing is very heterogeneous, but there are two places where it plays out. First of all, there are some sort of universal Islamic culture things yes. like Eid and Ramadan and everything. These things play into it. And the second thing is uh, that... Um, uh, halal food? Yeah. Halal food? That's yeah, religion, yeah, halal food. you people. That's, you guys yeah, that's, are conflating right now. Oh, no, no, but the thing is it <laughs> no, no, plays Eid, a part in the culture. Eid and halal food go hand so, in hand, right? Eid is religion. So Eid is a part of uh, Islamic culture that exists in all of these different Muslim countries. Muslim Except in Iran, because right? Iran is a huge competition against Islamic. Uh, and Nauruz, right? You guys got Nauruz. Yeah. yeah, so... But but what I was going to say was that the the other thing is that when people, even cultural elements, like in Saudi Arabia, when women can't drive, right, that's a cultural element that is not necessarily, it's arguably, you know, Islamic or not. But the thing is that the, the misogyny in Islam, right, that is, that's codified in the Quran, that actually backs up and dogmatizes cultural elements and forbids them to evolve. So, for instance... Like in the in the U.S. or in secular countries, cultures evolve, right? Fifty years ago, it was one thing; it was Elvis and rock and roll. Then it became blue jeans and McDonald's, and now it's like the it's it, everything. the The cultural cultural just naturally evolve, but what religion yeah. does is it freezes them in time. So the Saudi culture and all these countries where religion is a huge deal. Um, it basically freezes those, puts those cultures in a time warp so they never progress. So even though the women not driving, right, in, in Saudi Arabia is a uh, cultural thing, it's backed up and reinforced by all the mm -hmm. religious tenets. And I think so there is an interplay. There's a symbiotic thing. You know, they both create each other and they play off of each other. But religion is just really, really bad for cultural evolution in general. So Yasmin, Yasmin. Uh... So I think that we have passed the time for yeah. our podcast. Uh, but can I just uh, say like one thing before we end no. this? No. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Armand. Say <laughs> one thing. No, just something. This is something actually um, reminded me about a tweet I posted uh, last month. I, what I mentioned is like Muhammad promoted, actually did promote equality among races. That's true if you believe the canon. But this equality is only after you accept Islam. So non-Muslims were still inferior to Muslims. But this is no better because basically you're trying to fight one sort of tribalism by promoting a bigger and different source of tribalism. It's tri supremacy. Tribalism. It's more than tri yeah. yeah. So, so you've got you've got you've got white supremacists or whatever uh, like racial supremacists, mm. and you've got with Islam it's religious supremacy. Exactly. Yeah. 
Okay. So, Armin, uh, no. Uh, Jen, we give you the last word. Maybe your, your grandma can join us. <laughs> um Sorry. thank you it was fun there's so much to talk about but this was was there anything that we that we didn't touch on that you wanted to mention oh there's so much i could talk for another four hours or five hours about so many different things oh. there's so many similarities between islam and mormonism and the experiences of of being a convert and and just little things little stories how can people follow you what's can you give us your uh Good. Website, Good question. I'm at, um, email. I have a YouTube yeah. page, but that's accessible from Twitter. It's ex Muslim Mormon uh, on Twitter. Ex Muslim mm -hmm. Mormon on Twitter. It's pretty, okay. it's pretty, you know, self explanatory. I figured, you know, that's what I am. There's <laughs> only one, probably. Oh, actually, you yeah, and Lacey Green yeah. probably are the only two ex Muslim, ex Mormons. Well, she was never really no. a Muslim, though, was she? It was just a no, heritage. No, no. Just, but yeah. you were actually, this is the thing, like, you and I have more in common and i understand you and you understand me more than a lot of muslims that were actually born and raised in a oh, absolutely yeah like their experiences are nothing yeah, like because it. jen lived yeah. it they, they were raised in like a moderate family in the u.s or something they didn't That's have right. to experience any of the things that i experienced it's completely different that's right and they're like yeah i became an atheist at 15 and i'm an ex-muslim it's like, it's really? like so uh, I can't relate to them in the way that I can well, relate I mean, to you. I, I became a fundamentalist, but I think even you, I mean, being a girl is also, as a Muslim is a completely, and in a fundamentalist like community is a very different experience that than, than being a boy. And, and the Sunni Shia thing is crazy different too. I never really, really realized how different it is. But there's there's a lot of, you know, differences. I kind of wish I'd, I'd converted into... In a Shia, I kind of no, don't think, say that. I, I think, I think uh, <laughs> would have been different. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I would like to thank you for coming to our so ex Muslim Mormon. Yeah, that's yeah. your Twitter handle. Are yeah. you on Facebook as well? Do you have a Facebook? No. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm still kind Mormon. of in hiding. I mean, not that obviously I'm you know I'm out and everything. My name's out, but uh, Facebook it's too easy to find people. Facebook's that's really it's like true. the worst. You're not doing a very good job hiding. I know, right? <laughs> uh, so ex muslim mormon thank you very much and hope to thank see you thank you so much for your time Jen. thank you thank you for having me it was fun enjoy your time thank you hopefully we're gonna make the world great again yeah have a great night i'm your host faisal baghdadi take care good night okay. good night good night the secular jihadists have been made possible thanks to the gracious support of the illuminati and the great state of israel that's what we have been told but we haven't received our checks yet in the meantime, we greatly appreciate the support of our current donors. Please consider supporting by sharing the podcast with your fellow heathens or by donating at patreon.com slash sjme.